0: The Recruitment Roller Coaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz and today I'm joined by the very passionate Tyrell <laughs> Escott from Recruiter Republic. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I know we was having a good chinwag before we started but just checking out your LinkedIn, how long have you been in recruitment? Oh my god,
1: Don't <laughs> age me instantly. Um, 20 years.
0: Okay, amazing, firstly. Twenty one years maybe, Nick. Really?
1: Yeah, nearly twenty one years. Oh my god, i an old lady. That's
0: a great achievement I think in, in the end any industry, especially recruitment. Mm. Um but I know you said something that um I found quite interesting and wanted to ask you was you said that recruitment saved you. Yeah. Let's talk oh about God. that. Oh God, you've did gone you in deep, straight <laughs> in, okay. So yeah, I always like to go where we, where you started, like, how did, how did it okay. save you and how did you end up in oh recruitment? Oh
1: God, I need the psychiatrist couch for this, I think. <laughs> um, all right, let me give you the shorter version then. Go on. I think I grew up um, working class family. Mm-hmm. And um, with a lot of house moves, actually. And everyone thinks, oh, was your family in the military? No. (laughs) Um, I just had parents that constantly got bored and wanted to go (laughs) somewhere else. But what that did was create all these different school changes, which is hideous growing up. So I I had 11 different schools that I went to growing up. It was horrific. Wow.
0: Did you not kick up a fuss?
1: No, this is like, like strict, with your strict Catholic kind oh, of okay. scared of your parents kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Okay, okay. So um, I was a very different personality back then. I was quite shy and mm. reserved because automatically, as a kid, kids are vicious, aren't they? Oh, God. Anyone new comes along that's different today, yeah, and they're like new a pack of wolves. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's so how um,
1: I guess I grew up learning to be observant okay. and cautious. Mm and trying to figure people out and figure out my place and always having to also compensate for being quite bright at school and getting mm. that geeky label. Okay. So I think growing up I definitely wanted something more than my parents had had yeah. and All my immediate family had had, but I didn't know what it was. Mm. Um, I was definitely bright but very reserved, believe it or not. Um, and went through some tough experiences that imagine. were just life challenges anyway. Um, and I just think I came out of education not really knowing what I wanted. Like I a lot of just, people. Yeah. And I, I couldn't understand these people that just sort of seemed to be born knowing that they needed to be a graphic designer or a geography teacher or a vet. Yeah, I never
0: had that. I no, never knew what I wanted.
1: I didn't know what it was. And, um but I knew the sort of component parts of what it would give me, so I, I knew that much. Okay. And I, I probably had about two years doing different sort of product sales type jobs. So you went into sales,
0: yeah, okay, because
1: it appealed to me because I had a rebellion at the end of about 15 <laughs> when I came out of my shell. Um, but, um, but yeah, but I, I, I didn't know it then, I realized, realized it a few years on when I reflected back. That mm. Grounding in my childhood had actually taught me a huge amount about people can imagine. and human psychology. Mm. And it taught me to be really observant and mm. to figure people out and try and figure that out emotional
0: intelligence. Yeah.
1: And, and why do people act the way they do? And why do they do these things? Yeah. And what motive, why is that? And how do you build rapport and trust really quickly mm. so you can integrate yourself? And didn't know it at the time, but I'd learned all these things yeah. and I'd got into sales and that kind of worked Helped. to a degree yeah. but i just found sales a bit icky because mm. by by definition it's not that meaningful you're selling product. depends you on know you're selling it? doesn't it but, well yeah but it just i,
0: I know what you mean especially selling, if it's a product
1: yeah it was like industrial and agricultural cleaning machinery i know what
0: you mean so, that must be tough tough like yeah. for sure
1: and i just stumbled into recruitment and it was like did someone
0: sell you recruitment and like did they tap you up
1: I my first experience in recruitment, very first was hideous. It okay. was with a really small little outfit. How big out in Bishop Stortford two people in it. Oh wow. And um this was what well, what we're we talking, ninety six. Wow. And they would run adverts in papers okay. for sales staff mm. for office equipment companies, so like Roneo Alcatel back in the day and stuff like that. Mm. And um and then they'd get all the CVs in the post. Wow place some of them. Put the rest in the bin. Start again. What? Yeah, I know, I know. But you don't know any different at course, the time. Course, course. So I
0: so kind of looked at that. There for a bit.
1: Yeah, I kind of got in as an uh, almost like as a trainee apprentice, yeah, yeah, yeah. not apprentice, that didn't have that. It was just a graduate entry mm. type thing. Um, and just started taking over and becoming a consultant and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. just doing stuff. But it was a very cat handed way of yeah, doing yeah, stuff. Yeah. And but anyway, they did me a huge favour. By doing a runner overnight while I was away on holiday,
0: they did a runner.
1: Yeah, they did a runner. Came back mean? after holiday, and they cleared the office out, and they were gone, and it was. They didn't day. tell you. No, it was payday. What? There was, yeah, there was me and one other person, and I was screwed, and I was. I, I, so I was Crazy. young. I was twenty-one. Yeah. I already had a mortgage. What? I was like, what do I do? And um, here's here's how it happened. Um, my sister had a temp booking with Hayes. Yeah. As a finance assistant. And said to me, I've just accepted a permanent job with someone else. Why don't I call them and say, you can do that job instead? (laughs) And what I actually found out, the job was to be a CV inputter for another department of Hayes. Okay. But sourced through Hayes A&F, as it was at the time. And I started as a temp for Hayes Construction Property. Back then it was Hayes Montrose Mm. in Cambridge.
0: CV inputter. CV inputting. Love that. And
1: I thought recruitment was for bandits and there was no chance <laughs> I was going to be in recruitment yeah, yeah, based yeah. on that first experience.
0: But you started from there. Yeah. And then and just yeah. basically climb up the rank. Yeah. It Love was that. brutal.
1: Absolutely brutal. Mm. But um, compared to what I'd seen before.
0: Yeah. It it there surely so must have easier. been more structure and Yes not. and
1: no, because uh, haze back then isn't the haze it was sure. now. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. way more sort of entrepreneurial and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a very male-dominated industry, though mm. internally as well. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, construction and yeah. property is very male-dominated. Sure.
0: So how how long did it take you before you became a consultant again?
1: Uh, well, they they well, what happened was I started um, improving everyone's CVs, and they kept <laughs> coming out and going, "Oh, what have you done? How did you know?" To... And I would just say, "Oh no, no, you look, you can't send a CV out to a client like that. You know, yeah, you've yeah, got yeah. to at least take that nonsense out and do mm. this." And then they found out I'd worked done some work in recruitment already. And I actually turned them down initially and said, no, recruitment's not for me. Really? Yeah, I was just like, no, it's for absolute bandits, I'm not doing it. I'll do my temp contract while I look for a permanent Mm. job. And it was just the people, it was the people that sold it. I just fell in love with the individual people that were around. I was socialising with them, we were going out every night. Mm. Suddenly they didn't seem like bandits anymore, (laughs) you know. And I just thought, actually, maybe there's another way to do recruitment. And I took over a building services FM and maintenance patch that hadn't been developed before okay and um, for all of sort of Cambridgeshire Suffolk Norfolk that kind of area Mm. and away I went and I just think all of that stuff at that moment all of that stuff through you know growing up and moving house all the time and having to get to know different people and Seeing recruitment a very raw angle, mm. suddenly all came together and went, Oh, this is easy yeah. i know how to I know how to talk to people, I know yeah. how to get jobs on, I know how to get these people to come and meet me and yeah. it, it just kind of clicked, and I had a really, really successful early career there where I just did you, sort of you literally out- you put
0: it down to all that adversity a big part I of I didn't know it
1: at the time but yeah that's amazing a bit later on I could look back and yeah, see yeah. that I couldn't see it at the time I was cocky little shit <laughs> I, I thought I was just amazing it yeah, yeah, took a little yeah, bit yeah. longer for me to realise actually yeah.
0: no I love that because obviously a lot a lot of people could go a different way and sort of really let them affect that in a bad way right and really find it um struggled to adapt to new environments because they've just been in so many different environments in the past. It's just and a
1: mindset, though. Yeah,
0: no, 100% it's a yeah. mindset. That's what I mean. And it's you, a choice. Look, there's so many stories out there. Two people had the same exact upbringing and one went this way and one went the other way. Yeah. So I think that's... I always love hearing stuff like that where you've you've made your adversity your advantage, right? And, and I just really felt like I didn't have a choice. You, I, you know, mm. there was
1: some other stuff that, you know, I had to deal with growing up. And I just think at some point, it doesn't matter when you go through some of this stuff, you just have a choice; always it either choice. takes you over you and eats you up, mm. or you use it to fuel you exactly. in some way. Definitely, always have a choice. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't
0: agree with that more. Yeah. So, interesting part that you um, said there was maybe you re- I, we can you can do recruitment differently. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, as well, in
1: because this old outfit had sort of adverts in the paper. Like, it was ninety six, so it was yeah, done yeah. differently back then. But there was no database. There Was no system, mm. I just sort of taught myself at that point how to do things. Yeah. Um, and suddenly there's this thing called a database that you actually keep and store candidate information on.
0: When did that come in?
1: Well, they already had it, but obviously, Hated. yeah, but obviously, in the um, in this first little outfit I'd worked for, that would just wasn't that a wasn't thing. They literally would dump the CVs <laughs> and start again on That's the next crazy. one, yeah. So, um but because I'd had to sort of wing it in that job and sort of just figure things out, I, I didn't have any fear. Mm. And That helps was, at the beginning, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Hayes is a model and still is now that is largely about bringing in trainees. So I had a lot of other people that weren't as tough. They yeah. just weren't as resilient yet as yeah, me yeah, yeah. that were frightened of doing things. And I just didn't care. I was just mm. like, look, they're just people. Just call them. Just, just get into a conversation. Mm. I don't... But building services within the world of construction property, property, and any listeners will know this, is quite a tough technical area. Okay. And it's it's really difficult to get your head around. It's yeah. very niche. And um, I found out the hard way that that's quite difficult. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of terminology that sounds like it's the same thing and it's not. But I just use my candidates. Mm. You know, I yeah. just learn quickly. That's how I learned Yeah, the same way I did when I was at school. And I'd, I'd make the conversation about the other person mm. instead of me. I would just say, look, pretend I know nothing. Yeah. yeah Tell yeah. me everything you do and how yeah. it works where you, you are, and I just got my candidates to teach me about it technically, yeah, and yeah. I would use that to talk to my clients to get the jobs, and then I'd use that information to go and sell it to the candidate.
0: What well, What's your advice then? Because I went through that definitely, that sort of initial like, oh fuck, I don't know what I'm talking about. Should I call them? Should I not? Mm. My boss, who also came from, is actually mm. always yeah, well, like used a to virus. say, "S three, <laughs> well, like
1: a lot <laughs> He DNA always everyone. he
0: always said, "Just pick up the phone if you if you're not sure, just pick up the phone." But what What's your advice? To well, those that are early early, early on who I've got are a, a different bit different
1: philosophy now okay. I think I think personally it's just my personal belief is that chucking people in at the, de- at the deep end mm. nowadays isn't the right thing to do straight away. okay so I'm going to be quite controversial because there's That's a lot right. of old school dinosaurs that still want you to just bash the phones all day. I think today when less and less people want to talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. Right, where they're becoming more and more dependent on using intermediary devices, whether it's DMs and LinkedIn emails or emails or texts or, you know, even those are becoming less and less used. Um, It's becoming harder and harder to sell. And I use that term a bit weirdly, but that's becoming harder. And if you're going to do that, people expect you to have something decent to say. There's Mm -hmm. more resistance now to sales calls. For sure. So... Bunging someone on the phone in on day one with mm. this sink or swim mentality I think is a mistake because all you're going to do is create lots of negative scenarios that most most newcomers to the industry won't get on with. Mm. But more importantly for your business, you're creating this really weird first impression with companies that you want to work with. Mm. There, I think there's better ways to do it. And, um while that was my introduction and I made it work, that was a different era. I wouldn't do that with trainees that work for me now. Mm. I personally believe that they've got to learn about and self-educate, most importantly, don't wait to just be taught in a classroom in your new Mm. firm, but self-educate. Everything's available to consume now. Like, you know, in 1997, trying to learn about building services, there was no YouTube, there was no LinkedIn groups, there was no... There was no resource Mm. for finding this out. There weren't websites even. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you had to... I was forced to use my candidates to teach me.
0: Yeah, would you encourage that? So I had um, a really... I was really impressed by her, actually. Um, Someone who came on a podcast who works for Finley James, and she she, um, had a little... little or no knowledge of the industry that she mm. recruited for and out of even outside of working hours she'd go and research about yeah, her sector yeah. yeah so would you I, I like what you said and also had someone on here which i really actually really found interesting and agreed with was the training should be a lot more focused on the sector that they're recruiting in
1: yeah, and that's one of the things that I did early on when yeah. I was at Hayes, and it, it it helped elevate my status and get yeah, me fast track exactly. promotions. As opposed
0: to, yeah, so this is how you screen a candidate, these are questions. I created they a Bible. To, yeah, they need yeah. to understand the sector first, right? Yeah. And that's really valuable. Yeah. You did it for your candidates, but would you encourage that? Because obviously, if you were to go, look, I want you to really sort of research and then come back to me, like, would you encourage that in the That's work exactly hours? That's exactly
1: what I do. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's what I do in my own stuff. There's not going to do that
0: outside of the world. I'm not getting paid for this. Because why we're, why we're too short
1: term, there's an industry still. Yeah, for sure. Right, does this make me money today? Yeah, It's yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. be at the top of my list of priorities. yeah. yeah. But I actually think if you slow down at the start, mm. well, in fact, I don't just think I know, mm. that, you actually get a big, bigger rate of return on your investment Long in term. your staff anyway. Yeah, like you just that. don't get it immediately. It's backloaded mm. into the second half of their first yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. If you slowed them down and said, "Look, having control of a desk is a right. It has to be earned. You have mm. to demonstrate your competency to be mm. given that privilege." Because l- I don't, I think people forget you're messing around with people's careers oh, here. No. This is the bit that gets gets me about recruitment sometimes. <laughs> is this is someone's life. right so you've got to at least have some kind of now so you can't on one hand say i need to be taken seriously as a recruiter it should be seen properly as a profession Mm. blah 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 but then any old weirdo off the street can come in on day one be trying to advise yeah someone with a master's and 10 years experience in the chosen (laughs) field on what their career options are that doesn't come
0: natural. like that came natural to me Mm -hmm. like it generally did and I don't know why that is, but it just came natural to me. And I think I always, when I speak to you about recruitment, I, was, I always say that, look, the financial capability is huge. It's amazing. However, for me, what always pipped that was someone calling me up and going, look, Hesham, you've listened to what I wanted. You've put me into an environment which I absolutely love. Thank you.
1: That's the feel good factor, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like, you can't beat that. No.
0: And that that, that that's generally whatever people say, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that it generally is, and that's why recruitment is addictive. Whatever people do, do it for money. That's fine, but but that doesn't come natural to people. To do you know what I mean? So that doesn't come natural to people to go. You know what? Oh, I'll just send that CV over. I'm not sure he's quite. Right. I'm not sure you'll like it there. But it, how because, do you instill that in people?
1: Because I think you have just got to be braver as a manager initially about what you know works and I think mm. that's where a lot of the independent firms are doing so much better a job
0: because the, they focus on the service yeah and, the quality. and they're
1: more protective over their client and candidate For relationships sure. yeah we definitely were, we're and right. they want you to earn that access to them yeah. and that's where you know the the ratio the market share is not with the corporates it's mm. not with the big boys anymore it used to be years ago mm. But if you really look at the the key stats, most of those big corporates are flatlining at best. Mm. Their results are propped up by international results, not UK results. UK results are pretty dire because they're big old lumbering beasts that aren't changing with the times. But these pockets of mid-range sort of independence are coming out. They're not working on an absolute shoestring so they can afford to take this approach Mm. and they are absolutely eating into that market share and Mm. some of the the growth they're achieving is amazing and they're achieving it because the experience for good people coming in to work there is far better Mm. and they retain them and hold on to them Mm. And if you can't hold on to people into year two three four and five you're not achieving the peak profitability Mm. yeah you can't keep churning all these trainees in year one course not you can't keep giving them this horrible experience like the at the moment the conversion ratio of of trainees coming in is about a third or stick really right so if you track newcomers in the recruitment industry Mm. only a third of them will still be in recruitment 12 months on
0: yeah yeah that that's what's motivated me to start this and also a blogger started it's crazy because as you said you said to me that you read a lot and I'm sure you would have heard this advice before, and I've said it a few times on here now, but when you want to do something, obviously that success leaves cl- clues, right? So yeah. I, 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 saw, I tried to source, yeah. what does a recruiter do? I want to work in recruitment because I wanted to get more all-round the sales time, experience. It's isn't it? There it's were, it wasn't there. anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It was shitloads of uh, really high OTEs. I was like, oh, this looks good. Da-da-da. Yeah, like you're
1: selling double glazing.
0: Yeah, basically all that, but there was no sort of real context of what's actually involved as a recruiter. Obviously, you're not going to fully know until you're in it, but I wanted to learn about the failures. I wanted to learn about what people learn and all that. And that, that's what really spurred me on to Start This because, as you said, recruitment done a lot for you, and it's done a lot for me as well. And I think a real big part of it is that, obviously, what happens on your first day? Are you on the phone straight away? Are you chat in the deep end? Mm. But also, people's perception of recruitment before they get into it. Mm. And, yeah, that, that's a real big goal but of mine to But it's just not change.
1: a known thing, is it? Mm. Like, even today, no one grows up with knowing... What the recruitment profession is?
0: Definitely not. Ninety percent of people fall of into it, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it's because it's not a known career unless yeah. unless you grow up with a recruiter in your family. Mm. You don't actually know that it's a thing. I only knew
0: it through one of my friends who went into it. That's
1: how everyone is, isn't mm. it? So I I do quite a few of these um, sort of mentoring of of women and girls and girls coming out of education mm. and mm. stuff. Most of them haven't even thought about it. It's mm. it's not on the agenda anywhere. So until you change that. And that's promoted at an industry level. And until we change how we talk about it to trainees, i.e. make it less about sales Mm. and make it less because it's there. But it's just not how you promote it. It's not how you get good people into it. Mm. And it's not all of it. Mm. Recruitment isn't all about sales. It's so much more than that. Definitely. Um, Then it's not going to change. And, you, you know, we've got to stop throwing this OT 100K around because it's only going to, you know, encourage scallywags coming in, Yeah. yeah, yeah. right? And talk about what they're going to be able to do and what, what the meaning is and how that affects other people and the different elements of it. There's so much that's like PR and marketing and coaching and counselling. And like, there's so much to recruitment. Mm. And I just don't think anyone really portrays that. And that, you know, most employers fall into one of two camps. They oversell it so the person coming in has got no idea what they're about to be hit with yeah right and they bounce out Um, or they are worried about wasting money on trainees coming in yeah and are way too brutal in the process and put people off joining and you just got this little tranche in the middle that make it through Mm. and then maybe the training isn't that great and it's
0: yeah it's a hard one do you know what I
1: mean so it's tough
0: tracking back a bit then Mm. how how did you end up so how long have you had your own recruitment agency for now
1: um, since two
0: thousand and eleven okay how' th- that happen?
1: I'd sat on the idea for a while actually. really yeah i think look- as a as a woman that had fast tracked really in my career at Hayes and initially in a very male dominated environment mm. it doesn't it doesn't get you to a place that feels particularly good all the time. Okay. And I think, like a lot of women in recruitment, once I started a family, mm. I realised two things. One, my life needed to work slightly differently, yeah. logistically. <laughs> two, I was less tolerant of the bullshit.
0: Okay. Well give right? you a bit of perspective.
1: Yeah, I just think I think and I think most women would agree with me on this one. Once you've had kids, you're just not prepared to put up with some of the crap that you used to put up with before and you've got different priorities. That's fair enough. Right. you also see loads of other stuff you didn't see before which is fear in everything and you imagine every worst possible scenario that could ever happen to your kids and all this (laughs) other weird stuff that you've never seen before but I just think something changes and for me I started setting a different standard for myself because my first child was a daughter Okay. and every time I was hitting these scenarios that I felt were wrong I, I couldn't help but think if that was my daughter Chloe what would I want her to do? Wow Right? And that's, I started that's a having powerful a powerful thought. Well, it that's just made question. me reset my standards a little bit and just go, do you know what, I'm not I'm not prepared to do it. And I think I stayed so long at Hayes because I was loyal to the idea of what they did for me. Mm. So I, I very strongly identified with them
0: what changing my you. life. Yeah, yeah, what they're giving you, yeah.
1: Yeah. Because my, being successful there allowed me to live the, the life live that the life I wanted, wanted. to yeah, yeah, yeah. and do all the things I wanted to and break the mould in my family sure, and, sure, sure. and do all this stuff yeah. and people, you know everyone in my circle that I'd known before would go how are you doing all this mm. you're, you're like 22 and you've got a mortgage and you've yeah, got this car and you do all, the, and you go on these holidays and you do all these things but more importantly, they could see I had responsibility, that mm. I loved what I did. And yeah, 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 Most of them were still scratching around in jobs they hated and mm. all the rest of it. So I think I was very loyal to the idea of... That makes sense. They were that step change in my life. Um, and I was also there at a time where I ran my own business, really. So up until the point I came into London, you know, I was, I was the glory girl. I had to work for everything I had. Yeah. And there was an inner resentment building where I had to do almost twice as much as my male counterparts Mm -hmm. to get the same out the other end. Um, But I was so committed to this vision I'd set myself. So when I started, I suddenly went, the world is my oyster. And I set myself this goal, which was, I'm going to be a director of this company before I'm 30. Nice. right? And I joined you when I was 21. So it was pretty stiff going.
0: When did you become a director?
1: When
0: I was 29.
1: (laughs) Oh, nice. But... um, it was that was tough going and mm, I along the way I mean I've got some horror stories I won't share them all but I made a lot of concessions that I probably shouldn't have because I felt like I had to prove myself Okay, and I think a lot of women get into this scenario where to fit in with a male dominated culture you either do one or two things you betray your own standards in order not to rock the boat
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you become a bit one of the lads, (laughs) right? Or you stand up for yourself and you become labelled as a bit of a troublemaker or something like that. And definitely for the first two thirds of my career, even though I was quite demanding in terms of what I wanted, I would definitely fit into the mould. I would compete with my, my male counterparts. I wouldn't complain that... A lot of them got paid more than me, even though Mm. I produced more than them and Mm. all the rest of it, because I was so fixed on this. I'm going to be a director by the time I'm... Once I set my teeth on something, I'm like, I don't give up. Mm. But I realise now, later in life, that sometimes it's not worth giving up certain things to get to that goal. Sometimes it's okay to change your goal, Mm. Um, but I was just relentless. I would have seen that as failure, so I was not going to give up. Um, But once I had my daughter and I had her when I was 27... Okay. i think that just started to change and i just some of the stuff i was tolerating i just i i it felt wrong to put up with mm. felt really wrong to put so up so was there
0: like one particular moment where you're like right i'm going to build yep. something for myself
1: yeah the, the turning point for me when i knew it was over so to backtrack a little my husband i met at hayes with, okay we're that we that cliche <laughs> right so we didn't we worked separately but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how we met um but I, there was this one day and I went in and I was very aware I was being underpaid compared to my counterparts, but okay. I had the highest performing region, the most profitable mm. region, the best productivity, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? All this stuff that sounded good on paper, but what good was it if you're I'm
0: not getting, you're not getting the it. rewards? Yeah, for sure.
1: And I can remember going in and asking for that to be reviewed very nicely um, and being asked what did I need the money for? Whoa. The, Richard earned a lot of money, so that's
0: interesting. was I just being greedy? That's interesting.
1: Now, I, at that moment, I literally sat there and just thought...
0: What? Nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
1: Because that, that, one, there's no way that conversation would happen mm. if I was a man yeah. in that meeting. Um, and two, the absolute confidence that this response was delivered to me just literally a light bulb went on above my head going, This is never gonna change. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And
1: I'd also got so senior at that point that there wasn't really that further for me to Place go. To go yeah. It was just more of the same. Mm. You know, I was already board director. Like where else do you go at mm. that point? So that's when I went, This is done. That's it. But I was still even then loyal. Mm. I couldn't see myself going to a competitor. That would just feel so wrong to me. Mm. Um And at the same time, I'd been sat on this idea for a little while about God, someone needs to do this rectorex thing properly. Yeah, this is so crap. This is so crap. So many people say that. Honestly, and I'd sat on it for a few years because I I just kept looking at it. I tried to use rectorex to find me stuff, and all I could see them doing was just picking up CVs off of job boards, forwarding them onto me. Mm because there were so few options i'd take a punt on even someone that looked pretty ropey on paper just to see them just in case most of them wouldn't turn up if they did turn up they weren't It was just like how are these guys in business you know so i had those two things running at the same time and when i reached that sort of little dead end and went this can't continue yeah that idea started formulating and then when i became pregnant with my son I just went, right, this this is a natural break that's going to happen now. Yeah, now is yeah, the yeah. time. I should do it. I yeah. probably sat on it slightly too long, but um, it was mid-recession. Okay. So beautiful time to start a business. <laughs> 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 um, but I just thought, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. Yeah, yeah, nice. And that was it. It was no more sophisticated than that, to be honest.
0: Okay, I like that. What So How what have you done then? So starting in 2011, yeah. what have you done to improve that rhetoric experience then what what things have you focused on do you think has been really lacking in there because you so many people have that opinion mm. of rhetoric, it's right? it's
1: incredibly complex it's way more complex than anyone realizes and i think that it's so one it's really hard to do it well mm. um and i think the problem with most rhetoric today and i know there's the exceptions um but I think that the problem mostly is that, one, it's complex, um, and two, most of the people that have done it before are merely replicating the way they recruited in their former sector. Okay. Right? So if you've been a finance recruiter before or legal rec- or whatever, they largely look similar. Oh. You know, there are some areas of recruitment that are pretty unique. Medical's one. Mm. Education's one constructions one yeah right but even so they've got a lot of commonalities so you go out and you expect to do bd get jobs in yeah you expect to put out adverts call through the database put stuff on job boards do a bit of networking have some candidates Mm. the problem is with rec is that you are dealing with two really difficult parties right so your candidates if they're experienced recruiters um they've got a lot of fear you know they work in an environment where they know how easy it is for gossip to happen for their mm. boss to find out you've got a lot of fear in that scenario you've also got um a recruiter is someone that has been taught how to qualify a candidate
0: yeah
1: so when they go to a rhetoric that's if they've got over the fear of looking and they've got over the fear Around the the reputation of rhetoric, they have a next They, have they an expectation. now exactly, and they now have this horrible habit of telling you what they think you want to hear.
0: Ah,
1: right. So it's like you or I look like look liking the look of a show home up for sale. Haven't got a mortgage. We're not ready to buy. La la la. la. But we want to have a good look around. That's so we'll go in and we'll say, Yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm a cash buyer because we want to see what's there. We want to have a look. Mm. And we'll say whatever we need to at yeah, that time yeah, yeah. because we know if we say certain things, we get ruled out as a candidate at that point because that's what we do. Yeah. We also, as a recruiter, don't want to tell you what other options we've got because we've been taught to get leads from our candidates. <laughs> so now I won't tell you what else I've got going on. Oh, so there's this is massive complex. knot of issues that you just can't think of.
0: Mm, before you go into
1: it then your clients are recruiters and they want their pound of flesh because it's their one chance to be in the driving seat to be the client for once Yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: wow right so it's really complex so one you've got to be a pretty strong character and two you have to unlearn everything you know about recruitment and invest properly in researching and building a system that specifically works for that market. And that's where most people don't do it. That's why it fails. And that's why so many Rectorex are a one-person-out-of-their-back-bedroom type scenario. Because they can make enough on odd placements Mm. to make a living, but it's not sustainable because they'll get it wrong a lot because they haven't figured out how to do it differently. Yeah. So they will cannibalise their client and their candidate database all the time, which is why a lot of them are national. They don't focus on one sector. They don't focus on a certain location. Because if they did, they'd run out. Because wow. the process of getting it wrong, right, would shrink their market too much. So it stays too big. It's not specialist. It's not designed for the actual market that's mm. there.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. I just completely fucked <laughs> 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 no, I just, I just, um, I never thought of it from the perspective that you just spoke about then, and, and that makes so much sense yeah. in terms of like, yeah, obviously the candidate having just some real, yeah, already having some standards and sort of a, a mindset of, mm. she's not asking me the right questions, she wants to hear this, etc. So, yeah, that that that's really interesting. It makes a lot of sense why obviously it it does have the reputation of rec to shit and I yeah. don't know what they're doing and all that. So what 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 problems? What What's the biggest problem that you see then? Because obviously if you're helping recruiters get into the progress their career or whatever, what, what, are the biggest, what are the most common problems that you see in the recruitment industry then for...
1: Um, well, I think it's total potluck where recruiters get to their start. So okay. most of them have got into recruitment somehow. Yeah. And the guys that have made it through the first year have just de-risked themselves. So, you know, we were talking earlier, weren't we? Mm. One in three trainees make it through yeah. at the moment... Past year one, mm. so the odds are pretty crap. Yeah, the ones that survive have just made themselves valuable automatically by just surviving one yeah. year. But whether that was a good experience or not is total pot luck. Whether they're in a sector that suits them or not is total pot luck. Do you know what mm. I mean? So yeah, yeah. A lot of them surface around that time between sort of year one and year three. Starting to ask questions, starting to feel some pain. Yeah, You know, I've learnt my basics, but I've started to realise I don't like my market or I don't like my boss or whatever. Mm. And their biggest problem at that point as as a candidate, which is where we, I believe we add a lot of value, is they know what they don't like. They don't know what the alternative is.
0: Ah, okay, yeah. They
1: genuinely don't know. That makes sense. Where is this other version that's in my head? Of how recruitment's done. Yeah,
0: because they don't know outside that's those the, four walls. Yeah,
1: even if that picture is formed yet, they just know I've got this pain here. Mm. And the number one reason that recruiters leave is due to the way they're managed. Really? Yeah, number one. Everyone thinks it's money, but it's not. It's totally down to how they're managed. Wow. Mm.
0: Do you think, that's really interesting, do you think um, top billers, majority no. you know, of them should be managers? No. Yeah, because that's always a crossroad, isn't
1: yeah. it? Yeah. Um,
0: Do you think that that's a big part? Because a lot, a lot of what I'm gathering from these conversations and stuff is, I, I don't know, if people are pushed to become a manager, but it's like they don't. Where is the other avenue? Like, and then well, they become managers, and then maybe they don't have that skill set, which is why there's, there's quality there. Management and stuff yeah, like that.
1: There's loads in there. I think. I think you've got a couple of issues going on. I think one, training is crap in most recruitment companies. For managers. Yeah, because yeah. if you think about it, everyone gets the induction training or the academy training yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. fancy label you try and give it. It's all at the front end and mm. it just disappears into almost nothing. And managing other people is a complex job. Managing recruiters is a, is, is a tough job. And I will say this all the time in my blogs and videos I put out all the time. It's always the billing manager's job is the toughest in recruitment. Mm. That balancing of my own billings and developing my team... Mm is tough and when the majority of people you're managing are new trainees that is such a time drain and you're not really equipped to deal with it a lot of the time Mm. plus you've got also some lazy senior managers they just want to bung people under someone else so it's not their problem Mm. and where it's pretty woeful actually is in in the bigger companies really yeah because it's it's a bit of a revolving door at the trainee level and you've got these guys that are maybe a year in a year in? Mm. How can you be a year in and managing other people? <laughs> that seems crazy to yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I haven't seen that work very well mm. anywhere ever.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so I think there's there's all sorts of things there. So I think managers aren't invested in enough, and it should be before they take on a team,
0: other people. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I think if a lot of recruitment companies change their model, <laughs> so we were talking earlier about, I think recruiters should have a bit more time. To become to an like, expert and yeah, learn yeah, yeah, the different yeah. parts and prove their level of competency sure. before they fully run a desk, mm. whatever that looks like, can be tailored to suit the individual firm. Mm. So whether that's more BD-led or candidate generation-led, depending on your market, yeah, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. matter. But it's about building layers of competency, not just chucking everything at them all mm. at once. And within that, you've got to remember that most recruiters are scientist or artist. Okay. There's very few people that are t- both. Both, yeah. You can actually level someone off a bit Mm. right so people are very process driven or they're very all flair yeah yeah, yeah. and the problem with a lot of big billers is they're quite flary (laughs) right they find it hard to explain what they do to other people yeah and that was me my first experience as a manager was horrible was it? right so i was this girl that came in and started doing stuff differently and making a load of money and so absolute automatic oh you're a manager then Mm-hmm. Because the greed from management kicks yeah, in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, give her a load of people to manage and they'll all become friends yeah, 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 with her. Yeah. And I had a horrible time, horrible time when I first managed because I didn't get why they didn't get it.
0: <laughs>
1: right? I did, And it would frustrate the shit yeah, out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would sit there and go, I'm working hard. Why aren't they working hard? Mm. I do this. Why aren't they doing it? And I would take it personally.
0: Mm.
1: And I'd get pissed off with them yeah, 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 and then they'd dig their heels in and get pissed off with me and you'd just end up
0: in, yeah it doesn't in, sound fun no
1: it's not and I think um, what it took for me was this real breakthrough moment where I was having a little hissy fit at home telling my other half that that's it I was going to resign I didn't want to be a manager I could earn more money just billing mm. I didn't need this shit you know all that mm. kind of stuff and he literally told me to shut the fuck up sort <laughs> my life out um, but, but he, I had this moment that he forced with a bit of a breakthrough where he said, um, look, is there any client that you have ever gone in front of and not got what you wanted from them? No, not really, actually. Oh, th- that was where I could always get my client to do whatever I wanted. And I was this glory girl at that time that would get retainers and exclusivity mm. and all these things no one else could get. Even really difficult clients. Even those clients that were like, I hate Hayes, I'll never yeah. work with them again. So I went, okay, Yeah. Okay, right, what's that got to do with it? He's like, do some of them absolutely hate you at first because you're just from Hayes? Yeah. And do you tell them no? Do you set the expectation for what they have to do to work with you? Yeah. I went, so your team are your clients. Nice. And you know, when just go, oh my God, that's so obvious. I'm such an yeah, idiot.
0: Complete change of mindset. And
1: I was just putting this unrealistic expectation. I was going to say, your
0: expectation. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: always on my expectations that, that are the downfall of most teams and mm. staff turnover and stuff. I was putting an unrealistic expectation on them to get it the same way as me, to just automatically yeah, it's do just it. Never but I never took it that way with clients. I fully <laughs> expected, <laughs> when I saw a client, I'm going to have to sell this to you. Yeah. I'm going to have to make sure I show you that I'm listening, that I care. That I get it, but that if you want this from me, mm. there's a certain way you're gonna have to do it or you're not gonna get what you want. Yeah. And then I would get them excited about the fact that they were gonna get what they wanted. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was doing none of that with my team.
0: Had to work that out the hard way.
1: Yeah, I did. I did have to do it the far. But then all the best people have got massive messes up. Mess yeah, ups yeah, in of their background. That's a huge learning, right? You've, so you, you wouldn't change it. Yeah, you've got you know, I've got so many battle scars like yeah. that. But it that going through that taught me how to be a much better manager. But mm. it never stops. Mm. And I think this is where it's dangerous, you know. Too many firms stop coaching and mentoring their staff. Yeah, they get them to billing, and then it flatlines. I think,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can always learn more. Like, always. it doesn't. I'm
1: 21 years in, and I still go on courses, and I still follow other yeah. people and
0: Always invest in always yourself.
1: Always, re- yeah, because it, like it's changing all the time. But I think too many managers are removed from the shop floor now. Mm. I'm still an active recruiter. Mm. I would never not recruit. I can do lots of other things as well. I might not do as much of it as I want to, but I will always actively recruit because I just, I genuinely believe you lose your touch.
0: Sure. I think as well, if you have a team as well, like if you still have that, I think that training, that sort of watching my, so I sat next to my director who built the whole time I was there. Yeah. And that helped me so much as a trainee or whatever you want to call it. And would
1: you rather learn from, from that person or someone with six months more experience than you?
0: Yeah, I'd rather learn from that person. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, like, to sit next to you and go, "Wow, fucking, hell, what you said there is great and all that," and you're gonna, you're only gonna maintain that if, yeah, as you said, you're still on the phone building relationships, clients. Yeah. But then it's obviously having that self-awareness of maybe sometimes helping out that trainee or or yeah. whatever and teeing them up with something. But it's yeah, it's, it's being always exposed to that, which makes a lot of sense. What you just said it's such a
1: complex job what we do. Yeah. It's so complex, and it's such a lot of responsibility as a recruiter. Yeah. And you're learning so much at the start, all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I had this analogy given to me by an old boss years ago. But it's like trying to change the tire on a car while still travelling. <laughs> <most laughs> I
0: like
1: that, right? It's it's like it's almost yeah, impossible. Yeah, 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 yeah. So why wouldn't you break that down into stages and let people succeed at that stage, and then? Take what they've learned from that mm. stage, and then add the next stage on, and yeah. make it easier to digest sure. and easier to get good at. Mm. So your confidence is up. So then, when you're ready to go, you are champing at the bit to go, not having to push someone up a hill that doesn't want to do it yeah, yet because yeah, they're yeah, overwhelmed yeah. by everything. True. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. How, how do you, um, how do you see the industry changing? Like, what's going to be the biggest difference in the next five years? Um,
1: from now, I think um, the biggest threat to Recruitment at the moment is this massive disconnect from senior management and next generation recruiters okay in terms of style of communication, how they like to work. everyone's on about artificial intelligence mm. and automation and all this stuff, but that by far is the biggest threat that's that interesting. that's where some companies are failing and they don't even realize that's why they're failing mm. um and then, secondly, you know, businesses have got to adapt to how they add value to their clients and their candidates. Yeah. They're overly focused on giving value to the client because they know the client pays the bill. Mm. But if they don't have the, and I hate saying this, product, but ultimately Candidate, that's what it yeah. is. Uh, it, unless they have good candidates, Don't make any money? No. So you've got to do just as much work mm. as you would do on that side as you would with your clients. Mm. Which is doing stuff that isn't directly associated with converting a fee, which takes balls to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But.
0: It's the right thing to do. Yeah,
1: you've got to immerse yourself in your field. Mm. Right? You, the guys that are just out for cash, quick cash, will be gone. Yep. Um, but the guys that can go in deep to their market, be experts at it, provide proper value about stuff that isn't necessarily directly about recruitment or fees yeah. they they're will, gonna win in the next they, five years yeah they they will have so much more loyalty now internally these firms have got to do a much better job of being connected to their staff mm. they're out of touch a lot of them mm. and um so i did this exercise because i did quite a lot of consulting work now with companies about this and so i did this exercise I, one of the so i'm not going to say who an mdm yeah, company cool. brought me in and goes right. You know, we're just not hitting our KPI targets, and inside I died. I went, "Oh God!" (laughs) Right, and looked at it. I kid you not, this KPI matrix had about fifty KPIs they were tracking with it. Fucking hell! Like, talk about squeeze the life out of the business. And I started asking questions, saying, "Show me this, show me this." Their registration form for taking a job in was six pages long. What? Right, there's just all this weird bullshit in here. Where? How big were they? Big, really? Yeah, big.
0: Whoa, okay. Big, okay.
1: Like we're talking over five hundred staff.
0: Fucking hell!
1: Right, and I was just like, right, okay. And what's the problem? Oh, the guys aren't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I went, no shit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, right, we're gonna do- let's do this workshop. I said, but you've got all coming blind. You've all just got to do yeah, it. Yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. And they had a horrible time of it from me. So basically, you know. I'm probably showing my age, but there used to be this program called Back to the Floor. Okay. You might not have heard of it. You're too no, young, no, no, no. right? So it was this program where a CEO would go back to entry level. Oh, nice, right? And they'd learn lots about their business. Yeah, yeah, yeah for places. sure. So I made these directors mm. go back on a desk for a week. Wow! And they had to prove that these things that they had pushed oh, into the I business were workable. That's class, right? So the are brilliant, honestly. And I had, to, I really struggled to keep a straight face, trying to watch this director, <laughs> right? <laughs> Try and control a client conversation on the phone where they would answer these stupid questions that they wanted filled in. And these consultants were drowning in process. So Not only are they meant to go through all this rubbish stuff, they've then got to scan the form in and it's got to go onto their database. And then the manager has to audit it to make sure that everything had been taken in properly. And it's like, can you not see what's wrong here? And guess what? End of the week, they all come back. Oh, Oh, we've got to change some of this. It's just (laughs) not workable. And this is the same shit that they were Mm. bollocking their guys over.
0: That's interesting. For the
1: last year. And it's just like, get rid of it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got
1: too much friction.
0: It's too much
1: stuff getting in the way of making placements. You're taking any joy out of it Mm. for the recruiters. You're killing them with process and KPIs. And KPIs now is this negative, horrible word. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That's interesting. Ridiculous. She said earlier your videos and stuff like that what's some of your videos why do you make videos
1: because it's just easier to get your message across quickly and most people are lazy and they just want to get what they want quickly don't they mm. right so if you send someone a long email chances are they won't read it yeah there's only one of me thank yeah. god yeah. and um how are you going to get that message across to people enough so I I don't know I've just found it has a much higher conversion ratio for me for getting my message across to mm. people I'm not sound particularly good at it mm. um
0: yeah, but you're doing that. But all that's like, all like, thing. I
1: just talk like I would if I was in front of somebody yeah, when I'm yeah. doing some
0: of these videos. it's really, it, that's exa- that that, what you just said there is exactly what I, the conversation I had with my colleagues and that it, just made sense to me. Yeah. It was just like, why, so when I got loads of friction about, look guys, our competitors do fuck all online. Mm. They just spam people with new jobs. Mm. Like, I really believe, because obviously we're in an environment where we charge more. Cause, too much white noise. Yeah. There's they just, just all the same out. stuff online. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, why do we not just talk about what we talk about with our candidates and clients on the video? In the same way. yeah. Like the exact same? Yeah. And, um, well, why would you do that? Well, you instead of having one-on-one conversations and actually limiting it to that, you can put out a video and it could reach X amount of people. Absolutely. Now, that may not generate all these phone calls, but it means that you're touching people that you're not even aware that you're touching people or they see it. Yeah. So did you not have any I guess because it, it was your business it just made sense but like I got loads of friction with that and it was like well what if my what if my competitors find out who I'm working for and all that and I was hear like hear the
1: fear in all that all this. yeah time. and so I was just clear. like
0: what if you're a good recruiter mm-hmm. why you're not going to lose business
1: well this is one of the challenges I had so one of the last roles I had at Hayes before I left I was the group digital director yeah that was a job and a half I can <laughs> right so you're, you're trying to sort of be that middleman you're trying to get a, a so i had this massive team of developers yeah, and yeah. web people and design agencies on one side that i'm trying to translate what we want to yeah yeah and then i've got the internal guys you're trying to get to do things a yeah, certain yeah, yeah, way yeah. and all the rest of it the amount of red tape and procedure the amount of resistance because everyone's afraid of everything um but the reality is is that so- when you say that to people when you say podcast or video yeah, or whatever yeah. They get the fear, mm. right? And they just think, Oh God, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And they expect then that they've got to produce this really polished
0: nice. yeah, like yeah, yeah, stilted
1: definitely. corporate definitely. bullshit thing. But if you look at how most people consume information, look at the stuff you're reading of your friends' Insta stories,
0: (laughs) right? It's absolute
1: nonsense. But because it's there and it's easy, you'll digest it. You'll read it. You'll look at it. Because inherently, we're all nosy, Mm. right? So if you can just at least get meaning and heart into what you're saying and some actual research and knowledge, it actually doesn't matter. It can just be you on your iPhone in your car after your client visit.
0: Couldn't agree more.
1: Going look I'm just getting this out there early guys because this is a really unique one mm. and I think the other thing is most people think a job spec is a job advert and they're very different things mm. don't sit and go oh, I've got a job in for <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. it's got to I never be... really
0: made much content about the new jobs I had i didn't like doing that I, well it's i always did mix.
1: I yeah it's a mix it's definitely a mix because you've still got to appeal to that stuff yeah but for me and what i always say and what i train our, our guys on when you're producing adverts is you've got to do them but it's not what gets the job done yeah, that is yeah, part yeah. of what we do but if you are going to do them it's got to be about why why yeah,
0: why yeah, yeah. Why yeah. would someone want to work
1: here why would want someone it's never like, like that first
0: than? is it it's like what you want first Always kind of first, doesn't it, on job ads? It's like, yeah, we want this per- amount of experience, we want this but who's type of person. Do that? Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, why would I want to join? That's where you need to start. And
1: that's what I always say when I'm trying to get people around that mindset. Mm. I always go, okay, so if you were trying to sell a house or a car, would you put an advert out saying, we want someone with £40,000 in cash <laughs> to spend that's available this weekend to de- Denmark? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you yeah. wouldn't.
0: Exactly. So true.
1: You know, but it's because that's how it used to be done years ago. So because true. years ago it was the jobs listing employment agency thing mm. that was totally job cards in the window. So oh true. my god. Okay. See, that's something that is gonna change. Yeah. That end of the market that isn't providing any value, yeah. right, that is cannibalising itself. Yeah. So I think that I'm not doing anything much more than putting jobs on job boards and then serving those candidates back to my clients and vice versa that is becoming smaller and smaller Definitely. in fee that Small will go more transaction is not it yeah there's no value in that
0: okay before we finish up what what's been what's been your biggest failure
1: um my early management okay i would say because i think mm. i missed a trick there and i think i didn't do i didn't give those guys that i managed first what they actually needed at the yeah, time yeah nice. And it probably took me six to twelve months at least Mm. to figure it out. So that was a huge learning though, which is amazing. It was, but it was. I feel bad. I still feel bad. (laughs) I do.
0: yeah. What's been your biggest success then? What to counter that? I've got
1: quite a few. I think um, last year we won um, best candidate care at the recruiter awards, and um, we were up against. So it wasn't even like a rectorate category right, which wouldn't Just have meant as much to me it'd be like, oh, you're best of a bit of a yeah, dodgy yeah. bunch, right. So we were up against really good brand names, you know, big and medium, and a little agency like us had beaten them all.
0: Amazing.
1: Because that's how far we'll go for our candidates because yeah, we yeah. will do stuff like every, every candidate that we meet has a full consultation. I'm not about filling a form and registering them. Mm. Like, they... Nine times out of ten, I say, oh, I feel like I've just had counselling. Like <laughs> We'll literally get into what what they're about and who mm. they are and we'll pay for psychometric profiling and we'll do a full consultation and we'll literally sit there and go through, here's all the companies that could potentially give you what you want. Here's what you're going to have to go and do to get that. Here's what you'd have to go and do an yeah, yeah, interview. Yeah. and It's it's really full on and there's loads. We produce loads of videos. We give them loads of stuff to, that, that only they can access. It's mm. private, so it's not open on our website. It's just for our candidates. That, so there's loads of stuff that we've done like that. Um, and so it's that like real that value me, first approach. Yeah, because then... I had zero expectation. I went into it to do it as a process, to see what the process was like to apply. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And Because um, I'm a judge. Okay. I recruit awards and Investing in talent awards. So you, most people think, oh, well, how do you win an award then? But actually as a judge, you're on a panel, so I'm one of the head judges. Um, you only get exposed to like four of the categories.
0: So who who picks the winner?
1: the panel the whoever panel. judged it and you never you never know who else is on the other panel yeah yeah, yeah. so it's all is what not what people think it is in terms of how these things work um and you've got investment bankers lawyers um, heads of internal recruitment and other yeah. recruitment leaders yeah, doing yeah. it. So, for me to get through that, having been a judge and knowing what the process is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that, that must was have been probably really a really proud moment. Yeah, that was massive. That was massive. That was a big highlight. Mm. Writing the book was a highlight. Mm. Giving birth to my own company was a highlight. Amazing. Because it is my other child. Um, <laughs> so, I've been quite a few actually.
0: Cool. That's amazing. Um, what I did want to say was I know you mentioned it there, but so what, what's going on in your world at the moment and what, what are you excited about?
1: I'm excited about everything. I'm a a recruitment geek. um, Well, we've got all the usual stuff we do anyway, but um, I've just written a book. Which is just going to be...
0: Big congrats on that. Yeah,
1: thank you. So that's called uh, Where Did All the Good Recruiters Go? Mm -hmm. Because that's what most clients ask me the first time I meet them. um, (laughs) And it's not true. They're all there. They're just looking in the wrong places and doing the wrong things to find them. So that's my book that's more about waking up recruitment business leaders to here's the facts about where the good guys are and here's what you need to change about your process to be attractive to them and here's the sort of experience you need to give them Mm. and I'm trying to raise the standards and the expectations about what recruiters should be able to get Mm. from an interview and from a new role and get better support and stuff so there's that proud of that um, and on the back of that I've been doing so much consultancy work that we're now launching um, something called Talent Hacker Academy Yeah. so that's where we're going to help companies either directly for the smaller companies or the companies that are appointing internal recruiters completely change their process and make it a lot lot better uh, mm. and and make that experience really good for recruiters nice. take away all the fear from, from recruiters that want to look at a new jobs so we've got stuff like that going on as well we're building out our teams there's just there's always so stuff much to do, on. yeah. There's yeah a, I've yeah. always got too many ideas and not enough time to execute. That's That's amazing.
0: I think, um, look, I've been really impressed with sort of your mindset and sort of your story. I think it's amazing obviously achieved a lot, Another which I think fan. is great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think I just love um just the fact that yeah, you you can tell like you're really forward thinking and you want to be a disruptor, but you want to be a disruptor for the right for the right reason. I
1: just want people to have a good time in recruiting. Exactly. And, and you can really tell that. And you can really tell that's mm-hmm. the case.
0: So um, thank you for being part of this. Really excited Thanks to share for it. Thank you me in into and, your um, really
1: urban, cool, edgy <laughs> studio that I'm not sure I'm really urban and cool and edgy <laughs> enough
0: for. But. but no, yeah, thank you so much for your time. And no doubt, I'll uh, speak to you soon.
1: Thanks a lot.
0: You're welcome.